There's a couple of powerful things about that Our Father prayer. First of all, the Lord always calls us to connect first when we connect with him. We connect with him as a people, as a we, as a us, as an our, not just as individuals with I and me and my. If you look in the scriptures, the times that we're, there, of course there's Psalms and there's different things that are individual, but, but most of the prayers and most of the instructions in the scriptures are directed in the corporate or the plural. And when we approach God, it's always because watch, the kingdom of God and my relationship with the Lord, it's never just about me, it's about me, the Lord, and you, and us, yeah? So Jesus, right, he reconciled us to God, but he also reconciled us to one another. So that's what God wants. That's what, you know, why, why, why did Jesus die on the cross? Why did he rise? The plan and purpose of God. Why are we, why are we here tonight? Like, why do we do what we do? Why do we preach the gospel? Why do we, we minister? Well, because God wants, he, he wanted and he wants and he has and he will have. He wants a family. With the Lord, it's all about family. So just turn to somebody next to you, even if you don't like them, come on. You know you can't choose your brothers and sisters. How many of y'all got a cra at least one crazy, bona fide crazy person in your family? Raise your hand right now. So, so if you didn't raise your hand in your family, I'm just trying to help you out. Watch this, let me, I wanna get, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to some things and, you know, when the kingdom comes, if you think about the kingdom of God, right? So what does a kingdom need? Well, a kingdom needs a, a king, a land or a realm and a people. So when you think of a kingdom, what, what, is a, what, is, what constitutes a kingdom? Well, the three things, well, there, there has to be a people, there has to be a land or a realm, and then of course there has to, has to be a king to rule. So when we think of the kingdom of God, it's not only the rule and reign of Jesus, it's us as the family of God, but it's also the realm. It's the realm, it's the, invis it's the invisible superior realm of God with the king, the Holy Spirit, and when, when we say kingdom come, or you know when Jesus would preach the gospel of the kingdom and, and, and people would get healed and all these miracles would happen. See what happens is, and what's gonna happen tonight, what's already happening is when the kingdom comes, it's the superior realm of God invading the inferior realm of the natural, right? And so when that superior realm of the supernatural, the more real realm of the invisible invades the realm of the visible and of the natural, that superior realm, the values, the power of that kingdom take place. Do you see? Healing, joy, deliverance, the oppressed getting, getting free. We call it a miracle, but all it is is just the kingdom coming. It's normal in the kingdom. We call it a miracle. <laughs> There's no miracles in the kingdom. There's only the blessings of the kingdom. And we serve a king that loves to bless his people. So I'm gonna talk for a few moments about, we're talking about a royal announcement. We're gonna get him some crazy things like, like hierarchy and authority and stuff like that. And, but it's all gonna end with the kingdom being here. 
And I know the Lord's already shown me that there's people, here's what I saw when I was worshiping over there. I saw people that were, were, that were kneeling, kneeling uh, down like, like at the feet, at the, at the feet of Jesus. And I saw these black uh, or these, these very strong um, cords, these very strong cords wrapped around. And it was like, there wasn't hands, it was just those cords were coming off. Uh, the people, there were these strong, strong ropes, like these dark uh, ropes. And what I believe is that tonight, there, you're gonna, there's, tonight as you encounter the king, the Lord is gonna set some captives free. Yeah? And, and also, I wanna, I wanna prophetically declare that this year, you're talking about the 100th year hundredth year with this church, this church being a, bound, a boundary, a marker for sacred space for God in this city and in this region. This year, you know, we're, we're not in just a, a new season, we're in a new time. We're in a new time. And in this new time, things that like, things that you've, trying to, you've been trying to get free from for years, you're gonna get free this year. What? <laughs> Because, because it's not a new season, it's a new time. See, sometimes the Lord visits his people in ways where he says enough is enough. Sometimes the Lord comes to his people and he visits them in ways that they don't expect it. But if your heart is seeking God, if your heart is seeking the kingdom, this year I wanna prophetically declare over this church, I wanna prophetically declare this year Things are gonna, there, there's gonna be breakthroughs. I, I, prison, doors are gonna open that hadn't been opened in years because it's a new time, it's a kingdom time. <laughs> Prophetically, I see things and then I gotta get the words behind them. That's why I'm like, I'm trying to describe what I see sometimes. Okay. So watch, let's talk about, let me give you some scriptures here. Colossians 1.16, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Ephesians 6.12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in heavenly places. Of course we understand there's an unseen realm, yeah? And here in Los Angeles, here in this reason, region, there are these, the Bible calls them thrones, dominions. Think of natural government. We don't call them thrones, really. We, we, we call them seats, seats of government. But the Bible says spiritually in the unseen realm, there are these, there are these dominions, these principalities, these powers, these, these rulers of spiritual wickedness, watch, that are bringing oppression and wickedness and despair, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, bringing wickedness and despair and hopelessness on people, watch, through other people. The way that we are oppressed is through the systems of this world. Now we're in the world, we're not of the world, right? But the system of this world, that's why the Bible tells us, look, love not the world nor the things of the world. We love the people of the world, but we don't love the world system 
because the systems of this world bring oppression on people. They, they elevate some, they bring others down, but at the end of the day, the enemy brings oppression on people, sows discord, sows hatred amongst once another through what we would call the, 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 the systems of this world. But Jesus, he died, he rose, he ascended, he was enthroned, and in doing that, he disarmed these rulers. Watch, he disarmed them, and he has all authority that he's been given to us, so what? We're not subject to their rule. We, you know who has the authority in Los Angeles? The church has the authority in Los Angeles. You know how many churches are in LA? One. God sees one church. So watch this. Gospel. Talk about the gospel for a few seconds. Gospel, that word. Isaiah 52, 7. How, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings the good news. Who proclaims peace. Who brings glad tidings of good things. Who proclaims salvation. Who says to Zion, your God reigns. So this word gospel, you know, it's kind of one of these, it, it can be a religious word and, and it, it means we say it means good news, and it, and it does, but it's, it, it means a lot more than that, you know? So like, because like, like the weather was nice today, right? So that's good news, right? Whatever, your team won. Well, that's good news. Well, the good news of King Jesus is a different type of good news. <laughs> so I'm trying to say. And so that word in the Hebrew, it's, 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 it's basir, basar. You read, we read it out there in Isaiah 52. A lot of times we think that, you know, Paul just said that in Romans, everything in the New Testament is drawn out of the Old Testament, right? When Jesus and the apostles and Peter and everything, when you see in the New Testament, they talk about the scriptures, they're not talking about their old letters, their own letters. They're talking about the Tanakh. They're talking about what we call the Old Testament. That's what Jesus and the apostles called the scriptures. We, yes, the New Testament is canon, but what I'm trying to say is this. When we talk with the word gospel, it means a royal announcement. So they would use it like this. When Israel's armies were out fighting, say, and King David, like, like okay, did, they, did we win? Did we lose? Well, a messenger bearing good news would come back and he would pronounce the gospel. The good news that guess what? You won and so you're still on throne you're 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 still on the throne as a king. That's the good news. And so when Jesus watch, when Jesus comes on the scene and they begin to make this royal announcement, that's the gospel. It was the royal announcement that a king is coming, that there's going to be a new king, there's going to be a new kingdom. And his kingdom is not gonna consist of oppression. In fact, it's gonna do just the opposite. It's, the, the, it's actually for the oppressed to be set free. Look what it says in Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Remember that. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Is your heart, if your heart's broken tonight, I wanna tell you that God wants to heal your broken heart. Look, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to the opening of the prison of those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance 
of our God to comfort all who mourn. Who's, who's God taking vengeance on? He's gonna take vengeance on all these principalities and powers, these fortunes of wickedness, Satan and all his kingdom. The Lord is gonna take vengeance on all of these spiritual forces of wickedness that have oppressed people, exploited humanity, taken advantage of us, turned us against one another. And to comfort all who mourn. Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit's a comforter? But here's what I want to get at. So, so do you see here, look, the first thing, watch, the first thing about the gospel. And Jesus, of course, repeats this uh, in Luke. Look, the Lord has anointed me, look, to preach good tidings, the gospel, the rule announcement to the poor. Now, I know we're all poor in spirit, but if you notice, I could go in here, Matthew chapter 11, where John the Baptist, his disciples are questioning, hey, is Jesus the one, and da, 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 and Jesus says, look, go back and tell John the Baptist the things that you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, see the kingdom showing up, the dead are raised, and look, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Paul talks about, you know, when you were called, there weren't many noble, weren't many mighty. It's, it's like, the, the, if you want to say this, the target audience, the gospel's for everyone, right? But the target audience of the gospel is the poor, the oppressed, the marginalized, the forgotten, those who've been exploited, those who've been taken advantage of, those who have been pushed down. That's the target audience of the gospel. Now, why is that? Doesn't Jesus love everybody? Some of y'all are like, I don't know, I'm rich. Does he love me? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> he loves all people, rich and poor. Just remember, there is a commandment. He, if you're rich, you're commanded to be generous. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that in there. So, why is that? Okay, listen, I'm gonna read here in just a second from Genesis 3, okay? Let's go back to the beginning, all right? So everything's created good. We have Adam and Eve, right? They're the priest and priestess of Yahweh, okay? The priest and priestess of the Lord, right? So the Lord in your English Bibles, when you see that word, Lord in all caps, that's Yahweh when it's Lord in not all caps, that's Lord. So think of it this way. Yahweh's the Lord's divine name, just like you call Julian. If y'all know Julian, you might call him Julian or Pastor Julian, right? That's his name, right? But some of you, maybe you might not know him very well yet, and you just call him Pastor, right? So Pastor, but he's Pastor Julian is his name. So that's Yahweh. That's the Lord's divine name. So what we have is Yahweh created everything perfect. Adam and Eve, watch, equal co-equals, co-rulers, priest of Yahweh in Eden. Think of Eden as the cosmic temple. It was the original version of what this was supposed to be. <laughs> okay, Eden was the cosmic temple, right? They were the priests of Yahweh and Yahweh told them, look, I want you to basically go. I want you to take dominion. I want you to, to take dominion and basically create a global Eden. Remember the whole earth, Yahweh only dwell in this small area called Eden. That was the temple. That's where Adam and Eve were, co-equals, co-rulers, right? And they were commissioned, they were commissioned to go and image God. 
That means, think of imaging as a verb. That means we're gonna represent God to others. We're gonna image God and we're gonna show God. Julian did a great job talking about holiness. How Yahweh is distinct. How our God is distinct. Yeah? He's not like these other things that are going on. He's distinct, yeah? And that because he's distinct, he's called us as a people to be distinct. So important when we think about, I think a lot of people, one of the reasons we, we struggle with sin so much is because we think of sin as the act. Yeah, we think of like, and, and it is an act. You know, you think of the works of the flesh in Galatians, right? But you contrast that with the fruit of the spirit. Most of you, if you need patience, you don't sit there and say, I need patience, I need patience, give me patience. I'm not even patience, no, what do you do? You get in the word, you get in the Holy Spirit, you come to revival night, yeah, you get full of the Holy Spirit, and patience and joy and love, those are fruits, right? Those are byproducts. Well, it's the same thing of the works of the flesh when we get disconnected from God, right? But think of it this way, so let's say this. Yahweh's distinct, his people are distinct. In his kingdom, in his ways, he says that it's, we, we, we should not have sex, we don't have sex before marriage. He has very good reasons for that that I don't have to get into right now. But I want, so sometimes, let's say you're struggling with that or something like that, and it's like you're tempted or whatever, and we think the act, the sexual sin, shouldn't do it, da, da, da. Think of it this way. That person that you're tempted to have a sexual encounter with, the Lord has called you to image him to that person. You're God's representative to that person, you're imaging <laughs> Yahweh, right? You're imaging Jesus. So, so, so if we can understand, that's what it means all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. It's not talking about sin as an act, it's talking about we've, all of us have not imaged God properly and perfectly. We've all fallen short of that, right? So I'm telling you, listen, God, he, he forgives us all of our sins, but come on, in this, on, on these revival nights, let's walk out of here with a clean slate, a fresh start, forgiven, and tomorrow, whatever relationships we're in, where we go to school, where we go to work, our families, our communities, you know what? We're gonna be God's representative. We're gonna image him, yeah? And when we do that, guess what? We see the kingdom come. And the superior realm invades the inferior natural realm and all of a sudden we see miracles and blessings happen all around us, amen? Give God a hand for that. Where was I? Okay. But look, something goes terribly wrong. <laughs> Let's go to Genesis three. Here we go. So the serpent, you know, the Nakash Hebrew, the serpent here, he um, tempts him. I could preach about this for a long time, you know. He was a divine being, the Nakash Serpentine, and he's uh, probably around a lot, so it's no surprise that they talked to him. The Eden was where heaven and earth could connect. It was the overlap of the, the realms. And so God comes down, he's like, what's going on? And the Lord God says to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said to the serpent, the, uh, the, <laughs> the woman said to the serpent, the woman said, the servant deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the servant, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between you, your seed and her seed. So many times we focus on your seed and her seed because it speaks of the promise of, of the coming 
Messiah, Jesus. And we kind of skip over that, the enmity between the Nakash, the serpent, Satan, and women. I'm going somewhere, watch. He shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel, I mean the seed, the seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your uh, sorrow and childbirth and conception. In pain you shall bring forth children, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. I wanna say this, okay watch, these judgments, I don't have time to go into the scholarship and quote the scholars and all this kind of stuff, I'll send it to Philip and Holly if they want it, all right? These judgments God's giving, watch this, these judgments God's giving, they are not prescriptive, they are descriptive. God never curses Eve, he never curses Adam, he only curses the serpent and the ground. Okay? What God is saying here is, okay, because you have been unfaithful to me, and you have given your loyalty and you have relinquished your authority to Satan, this is what's gonna happen. Now you're coming into his domain. And in his kingdom, guess what? People are not treated equally even though you are equal. People are not co-rulers even though you are co-rulers. In his kingdom, he rules by oppression through hierarchy. And this is gonna, what's gonna happen because of that. And he tells Eve, he says, you know, he says, um, your desire shall be for your husband, but watch. And, and he shall rule over you. This word desire means this. It means that Eve, Eve is gonna want partnership and the rightful co-equality with Adam that they've all had. Remember, they're co-rulers, they're co-equals. There's only equality in the kingdom of God, okay? <clears throat> She's gonna want that equality, but watch. But the man, think of humankind in general, mankind. But men, the man is gonna dominate you. He's gonna rule over you. Why? Because now, they're fallen, the glory's departed. Well, in the natural, think of physical, yeah. In the physical, generally speaking, who is the stronger and the bigger? Especially back in a society back in the ancient Near East, who? The man. Who's more vulnerable? The woman. She's having children, she has kids. Physically, she's more vulnerable than the man in a society that was based on conquest. So what's gonna happen? She's gonna be taken advantage of. She will be exploited. She will be pushed down. She will be, be many times uh, marginalized. And watch this. This is a principle that happened through all the earth that was perfected at Babel and went on, went on, and that's this. Until Jesus comes back, man will always seek to oppress his fellow man. Until Jesus comes back, we can talk equality, but there will never be true equality until Jesus comes back. Until Jesus comes back, just like Dr. King did, we're gonna fight for justice, we're gonna believe for justice, but listen, Racism will not totally end until the Lord returns. 
Hatred will not totally end until the Lord returns. Murder, child trafficking, all of the horrors in this world where people are exploited and oppressed, those things will not fully come to a halt until the Lord himself returns. This is why our cry for justice is not a cry for God to judge people. We want all people to be saved and come into the family of God. But our cry for the Lord's return is a cry for justice, that the hatred would stop, that the oppression would stop, that the starvation would stop, that the disease would stop. And as the people of God, we demonstrate, we can demonstrate that now to a degree, but we won't experience it fully yet until Jesus comes with his kingdom in full. So flip it back this way. I'm not gonna take you to Bible. Remember what happened at Bible though? They were supposed to be dispersed. They said, no, we're all coming together. We're gonna build a name for ourselves. We're not gonna take God's name to the earth. We're gonna build a name for ourselves, watch. Every time man builds a name for himself, there will be hierarchy and oppression. In the church, in the church, if we set our brand above God's name, there will be hierarchy and oppression. Every single time. Every single time. In the kingdom of God, there is no hierarchy. There's authority, but there's not hierarchy. Do you see now why when Jesus came on the scene, the royal announcement, he, the, the poor, it's the oppressed, it's the marginalized, it's the people who were the most vulnerable because of the hierarchy and oppression that came with the fall and was perfected at Babel. So all throughout history, we have people groups. In America, we had African-Americans. They were oppressed, they were exploited, they were taken advantage of. All over the earth, there's always a class system. We can act like there's not, but there is. Or there's this, we treat people differently because of what they can do for us. We've, we've experienced, you can see it in the church. Well, we get around, we go, we wanna get in this green room. We wanna speak at this, so watch. Here's a hurting person, they can do nothing for us. Here's a relationship, well maybe somehow they'll help us. It's hierarchy. It's anti-kingdom. That's what Babel is. Babel is the anti-Eden. Hierarchy is, is we, we have to have it in a fallen world or there would be anarchy. <laughs> what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to show us that in the kingdom of God, there is not hierarchy, there is authority. And equality is not just a political buzzword that we throw out there. Look what Jesus says here. Look what he says here. And I'm gonna... Somewhere, he says it, I'm telling you, he says it, it's in here. Matthew 20. Matthew 20, 25 through 27. So I wanna say this. So anyone, and I could unpack all the New Testament scriptures in the context of those and all that kind of stuff. But anyone who puts women down and says that women don't have the authority to minister the gospel, 
that's not coming from the kingdom, that's coming from the other system. You follow me? Look at this. Jesus called, so this is the argument, right? Jesus says he's, you know, he's gonna be crucified, so the argument breaks out amongst the disciples like, okay, who's gonna be the greatest? You know, can we sit your right and left? Who's gonna be the greatest? Here's what they're thinking, watch. Who's gonna be the next in charge? Lord, how's the hierarchy gonna look when you leave? Like, who gets to come up to your position and kind of lead the others? We wanna know what the hierarchy's gonna be when you leave, Lord. Look what Jesus says. Jesus called them to himself and said, you know, look, that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. The rulers of this world that are, that are influenced by the cosmic fallen powers, Satan, what do they do? They exercise authority in a way of oppression and hierarchy. That's what Babel was. Babel brought at the bottom, narrow at the top. There can be only one at the top. Masses get to work at the bottom, but there can only be one at the top and everyone just kind of fight your way to get your place on the hierarchy. It was literally high and like an ark. If you looked at it, you, at Bible, you'd be like, that is high, that's, a, that's, high, that's high in ark? It's hierarchy, kind of hierarchy. <laughs> Bible's the anti-Eden, the anti-kingdom. It represents chaos. Eden represents order, it represents shalom. Babel brings brokenness, it brings frustration. We're restoring order. The kingdom brings the order and the shalom back in our lives amongst God's people. Okay, look what he says. The rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and those who are great exercise authority over, over them. Look, yet, yet it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to become great of you, let him be your servant. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. It, it, in context, if you unpack this, this is what Jesus is saying. Look, in the kingdom, there's no hierarchy. There's true equality in the kingdom. And watch, if you wanna, if you wanna say this, if you want greater kingdom authority, he's talking about, which by the way has nothing to do with numbers, a lot of times we think people that have big this or you know large churches or, or whatever like that, oh, they have great. No, they have corporate authority. They have culture. You can have cultural authority. Oh, they got a bunch of followers on Instagram. Kingdom authority is totally different. God never needs the numbers. Paul's churches, most of Paul's churches were 30 to 40 people in a house. You think he has some kingdom authority? All those letters that he's just pouring his life out over, it's for like 40 people in a house. And if you walked into that house, you know what you'd see? You would see something totally anti-cultural. You know why? You'd see a free person and a slave. You'd see male and female, Jew and Greek, bond and free. All of the... You'd see all of them, guess where you'd see them? At a table. The Lord's table. One day there's gonna be a marriage supper of the Lamb, and we're gonna be back in his table that he had in Eden. 
We celebrate that now when we partake of communion. But you know what communion is? When we come with the body and the blood, what the body given unto us, we remember, we remember. We're members, we're remembering us as the body. Ephesians 4, everyone has, is, I don't have time to go on an encounter I have with the Lord, but I can tell you this, if you only saw how valuable what you do is, any, I'm talking for the Lord, for the, when Jesus said, if you want to be great, have kingdom authority, I didn't finish that. Here's what, let me, what that means is, then be less visible. Less visible. So watch, many of you, single mom, working that job, it's not visible. So you think it's not valuable. Can I tell you the opposite is true. It's the invisible that is the most valuable. So it's easy to post stuff and instant, it's visible. I don't know if there's any reward for the visible. That's what the world does. The world celebrates the visible. The world celebrates that. It's the invisible. When you, when you image God and your kids are driving you crazy or your boss is doing whatever, whatever like that, I'm telling you, he sees and boy, it matters. And you're bringing the kingdom, God's realm, into your realm. Come on.